Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Hello and welcome to Christmas Eve. If you are listening to our podcast, then please take a moment to reread the birth of Jesus in both Matthew and Luke so that you can listen to this story once again. At the end of our Christmas Eve services, we welcome baby Jesus and then sing Silent Night as we light the candles. And it's easily one of my favorite parts of a Christmas Eve service. I know you can do it, but I really can't imagine having Christmas Eve without it. In my view, the view I have as I stand here, in my opinion, that view is way better than yours. I get to watch as the light spreads back over the congregation, and it is pretty moving to see the light get brighter and brighter as we pass it on to one another. There really is something about the light overcoming the darkness, as John tells us. And because it's Christmas Eve, we see and understand the light in many ways. We see the physical light, but we also see that light as Jesus, the light of the world, shining into the darkness and chaos of our everyday lives. And it makes me think about that star, the one that shone over Bethlehem, the one that those wise men followed to Jesus, light beautiful, magnificent light. Now, I'm one of those people that thrives in the light and fights getting depressed when it's dark. I'm always glad when we hit the winter solstice and the days begin getting longer, I know that the darkness will be a little less each and every day, at least until the summer solstice when it starts to go back the other way. And we need light to live, right? Farmers can't grow a thing in total darkness. Light warms the planet and keeps our weather moving. It keeps our moods in check for the most part, and light can do amazing things like make rainbows or the aurora borealis. But even on the darkest night, there is always light, and it comes to us from the heavens by way of the moon reflecting the sun's light and the stars that we see shining in the night sky. Those heavenly bodies, including those planets that look like stars to us, have been leading people from point A to point B, helping them determine direction or seasons from the start of people living on the earth. It's just natural. We're innately drawn to the light. Another beautiful thing about light is that it shines on everyone in its path. I have yet to see light shining on one person and then not the other, unless there's something blocking it, like a building or a tree. Kind of like rain. It falls on everyone without prejudice. Matthew 5, 45 speaks about it when the writer says, he will make his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, everyone gets the sun and everyone gets the rain. Everyone is equal. But we don't always like that, do we? That everyone is equal? I mean, the other guy has done way worse things than me, so they deserve the same, so do they deserve the same amount of sunshine? Maybe perpetual rain would be better for them, at least until they get their act together. But let's talk for a minute about why we're here. We're here to hear the story of Christ's birth. 
and to celebrate this world-changing miracle one more time. For some of us, it is a beautiful story and warms our hearts to hear it. We love it, love our nativities that we lovingly put up around our homes. We love to sing those wonderful Christmas carols that tell of this special night. And some of us, well, you may as well admit it, are here because we have to be. We're part of the service, or it's our family tradition, or grandma made me come. Truth be told, we'd rather be off doing our own thing because there's so much to do. Many of us will be somewhere in the middle of those two extremes, maybe wanting to be here, but being pulled in many different directions and would probably have chosen to make that last run to the grocery store or throw that last pie in the oven. Hopefully, for whatever reason we're here, by the end of the service, we'll feel at peace, be a little joyful, and most of all, be glad we came. I don't know about you, but I feel good being in the middle of a group of people who come to celebrate the birth of Jesus with me. I don't want to be alone. It's hard to feel joyful and celebrate anything all by ourselves. I think about those kids we've heard about on the news who invited their whole class from school to their birthday party and no one showed up. How sad that would be. Or maybe someone is graduating college or getting married or got a promotion at work. It kind of squashes the happiness when we don't have anyone to celebrate it with us. What if you've reached your 50th wedding anniversary and none of your kids or other family members showed up? I know you'd have each other, but it would kind of take the joy out of it, I think. Or maybe you've just given birth to your first child and it's just you and the baby's father. If it's not already depressing that there's no family there to celebrate with you, then think about having to give birth in the back of a car on the side of the road all alone. Or in the case of Mary, in a dark cave surrounded by animals, not really sure what would happen next. Would you be able to get food? Was there enough heat to keep the baby warm? How long would they be able to stay in the barn? Is this baby really who the angel said he was? What would happen to them now? I'm pretty sure they felt alone. I know I would. But a lot of us kind of prefer being alone to being around other people, right? I'm sure it's been happening for a long time, but it was definitely exacerbated by the pandemic. People have been separating themselves from other people for quite a while. We can see it as we see the slow decline in membership of community service organizations like the Lions Club, Rotary, the VFW. The universal struggle to get volunteers for things like fire departments, food distribution centers, shelters, and yes, right here in church. The number of people who truly believe that they can grow spiritually and feed their souls all on their own is rising exponentially. We call them the spiritual but not religious. We become a group of people who don't believe we need anyone else. It's a badge of honor to be self-sufficient, to not need anything from anyone. Support groups? No, I can handle it on my own. Financial crisis? No, I won't ask for help. I'll figure it out somehow. Dealing with anxiety or depression? Talking to a professional is a sign of weakness. I shouldn't need anyone to talk to. I should be able to handle this all on my own. Can't seem to get up and down the stairs like I used to, but ask somebody for help to carry things into my house or get me a ramp. 
No, sir, I can do it all by myself. I don't need anyone else, just me. And we see the effects of this mentality, this self-proclaimed self-sufficiency. People who don't understand the need for other people, that we can't do life on our own successfully, often fall into depression. We can become isolated and lonely, which can lead to being paranoid, believing things about other people that aren't true. This can lead to rising anger and violence to all those mass shootings we know have doubled, more than doubled over the last few years. It can lead to all-out war. We can begin to believe that life is meaningless and we have no reason to live, leading people to consider leaving this life for good. This isolation, this loneliness represents the darkness that any one of us can fall into at any point in our lives. No one is immune. Like sunshine and rain, no one is immune. No one can escape it, at least not on our own. No matter how hard we may try to do everything by ourselves, we were never created to be isolated, totally independent individuals. We were created to need each other. Adam and Eve, tell me how many children would have come about with only one of them. When we read the beautiful story of creation, we see that God himself exists in community. We call it the Trinity, Father or Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are created in the image of God, not just in love, but in community. We have the creator who made us, who keeps life going. We have Jesus, the son who came and showed us God in person to lead us back into a life-giving relationship with our creator and to show us how to love one another because we need one another to have a full, abundant life, the life Jesus came to give. And we have that spirit living in us, giving us the power to overcome life's challenges, helping us become the people we were created to be, to help us learn to love in all situations, to not be afraid. The birth of Jesus happened because God wanted us to know he is with us, that we are never truly alone, that we don't have to be strong enough, smart enough, get everything right enough, or even be self-sufficient. Jesus came as a baby who was none of that, who came into the world just as helpless as the rest of us, who came to bring justice, to lift up those who felt low, to remind us that God's grace is for everyone, good, bad, and ugly, pretty too. The sun and rain fall on the good and the bad. But the good news is that in Jesus, the love of God, the grace of God falls on everyone too. We struggle to be perfect people sometimes. We fight to get it right, whatever it is for you. But listen to the story. For thousands of years, God told us he was coming, that we were never alone, that love is the only thing that matters. Not our degrees, our bank accounts, or our abilities. We need each other because no one person has all the right answers. No one person can do it all. We need each other. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. 
and joy and hope. Each of us has something to offer. And the more we work together, the stronger the cord that binds us. God sent his son to show us that we are never alone, that we can rely on him and we can rely on love. Jesus tells us to love one another. We can be vulnerable and needy, just like a newborn baby, and it's okay. But at some point, we'll be the ones reaching out, encouraging, and lifting someone else if we will just believe in the love of God we find in Jesus. Light shines in the dark, and that light is Jesus, who is the light of the world, and he shines the light of life and love on everyone. When we look in the night sky, we know that there are others looking up at that same sky. We all see the light. What we do with that light is up to us. So when we light those candles, remember, that light is a gift for you, from your creator. But no matter how hard you try, you can't keep it to yourself. You can't stop it glowing on those around you. And that's what the love of God means. Receive the love God has for you in Jesus. Then watch as that love shines through until the darkness is gone. Every time we volunteer to serve our community, every time we reach out to those in need, every time we reach out to someone having a tough time and let them know, hey, I'm here for you. Every time we come to church to worship with our church family, we are lighting up the darkness. Light your world. Light our world. We cannot celebrate alone. Christmas is meant to be a party. So let's turn to our neighbors and let them know. Say, thank you for coming to celebrate the birth of Jesus with me. Let's celebrate together. Amen. Hi, it's Pastor Julie, and welcome to Christmas Day. I have a sermon this morning that is in two parts. Uh, the first is um, comes, the scripture is from John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. This passage from John is a key passage. Most Christians hear the opening words and a sense of peace just flows over them. The word became flesh and lived among us. That is the message of Christmas after all. But even for those tried and true Christians who have read this passage over and over, you have to admit it can be quite a confusing one. If you're hearing it for the first or second or third time, the repetitive poetry of this passage can be too heavy to figure out any real sense of meaning. Don't fret about that, though. Theologians write entire books on just a couple of these verses. Now, I'm not going to try to help us figure out everything about what this passage says, but I'm going to help make some sense of what the writer is trying to convey to ordinary people like you and me. Now, there are three words I want to highlight since they seem to be key words here. Word, light, and life. The first word, word, has many different meanings. Well, just like so much of the Bible. But the one meaning that the writer wants us to understand is that he is referring to Jesus as the Word. He starts at the beginning calling Jesus the Word of God. Now our scripture tells us that as God began creating all that we know, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light. This was followed by many other, and God said, events of creation. The very word of God was spoken, and whenever God spoke, something new was created. So the writer of John reminds us that he, Jesus, was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through the word of God. Then he concludes his passage with the word, and the word became flesh and lived among us. Jesus, who is God, is the spoken word of God, became a human being, flesh, and lived with us. Now the second word is light. Remember that God's first words in creation were let there be light. Before that there was only darkness. Light is life-giving. Without light we cannot survive, we could not exist. God's first gift to us so long ago was light, and that light brought us life in more ways than one. The writer of John reminds us that the spoken word of God is the light that shines in the darkness, the light that brings life. And that light is Jesus. The word made flesh brings light into the world for a second time. The third word is life. Verse four tells us what has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. Have you ever heard the phrase full of life? It usually refers to someone who has deep joy in life and lives life to the fullest. People usually light up when they see them. Life has a way of doing that, giving off light. During the creation of the world, whenever God spoke and something new was created, new life began. When Jesus, the living word of God, came to earth as a baby so long ago, something new was created. And new life began for all who received him, who believed in his name. He gave the power to become children of God who were born in a different way, given new life through faith. This passage can still be a challenge to understand, but when we remember these three words, word, light, and life, we may begin to understand the beauty and joy of this day. God, out of his great love for us, sent his son to speak in the darkness of our lives, to shine a light into the world and give us life. That is what we celebrate today. 
new life through the birth of God's Son, Jesus, the Christ. This life gives us power over the darkness of the world, gives us power to be children of God when we receive this dear child into our hearts through faith. So joy to the world, the Lord has come. Please stand and sing with me. Our second scripture is 1 John 4, 7 to 16. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Again, the word of God for the people of God. And the wonders of his love, and wonders, wonders of his love. Isaac Watts knew what he was doing when he wrote this hymn. That last verse goes with our passage today, because there's a whole lot of love in this passage. Although this passage is somewhat easier to understand, I'm going to use the same tactic, three key words. And those words are love, life, and believe. Love, one of my favorite Beatles tunes, all you need is love. And this passage seems to say just that. Let us love one another because love is from God and God is love. The love of God is revealed in the birth of his son. God sends his only son, his spoken word made flesh to give us life and to show the depth of his love for us. I believe that for the most part, we want to believe in the love of God, that we really want to be able to love one another so much more than what we see going on in the world. Love is, I believe, the driving force behind everything we do or don't do. We have a need to be loved, so we do things to earn that love from someone or something. And we may get mixed up a bit in what love really is. But most of us feel that we want to be loved God sends his love in Jesus in order that we will know we are loved and to have the power to love each other. Life. I talked about this word in the other passage, and it still means the same thing, but in this passage, we read that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Here, the writer reminds us that it is the love of God we receive on Christmas Day that allows us to love, and that love is our very life. God loved us first, showed us how to live, and gave us the power to love. When we love, God lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So not only do we receive love in life, but we become a part of God 
And God becomes a part of us. Now, what is the cost of this love and life? Believe. It's that simple. When we believe in the love of God made real to us in this little baby born so long ago, we receive life and love that can never be taken away. Jesus is the greatest gift we have ever been given simply because this act of God coming to us in the flesh gives us a love so deep and wide and high that as Romans 8 tells us, nothing on earth or in heaven can separate us from that love. We have life that will go on for all eternity. No matter what darkness is in our lives at this moment, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and it will never overcome it. To have faith, to believe, is the only thing needed. When we step out in faith and receive this amazing gift of love, it can never be taken from us. And as a matter of fact, we will have so much of it, we will have more than enough to give away. This is how we know that all of this is true. When we love one another, no matter how hard that is, when we love the least, the last, and the lost, no matter what they've done, when we love ourselves, no matter how many ways the world tries to tell us we're not good enough, and can even love those who seem to be against us, then we will know for sure that God lives in us. Then maybe, just maybe, we can believe in love in a way that we have never been able to believe before. We'll be given new life as we become children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I love the saying that Christmas is not your birthday, and it's so true. It's baby Jesus' birthday. Yet on this day, God has given us a gift so wonderful that we can spend a lifetime opening all the ways this gift keeps on giving. But have you received it? And the next question is, what gift will you give Jesus on his birthday? The greatest gift anyone can give is a gift of love. Do you love Jesus? Can you give him that gift? As we prepare for a closing song, I want to invite you to take the heart you were given and look at it as though you were looking deep into your own heart. Ask yourself, have I given my love to Jesus? Can I give him my heart for his birthday? As we sing, if you are ready to give Jesus your heart, either for the first time or once again, please come forward, receive the love of God and give it back to God. Come, receive, come, and give love. The word came to give light and life. As we believe in the love of God in Christ, that love finds a home in our hearts. So believe in love. Happy birthday, Jesus. Amen.